Jesus' name. So this is actually the final message in this particular series of messages on prayer. Um, but tonight, we're going to be praying for our state. And like I said, Senator Shelley's going to be here, Hughes, and we're going to agree with some things she's been working toward. Um, and then next Sunday night, we're going after an encounter with the one who releases intercession over us. How many know in the Bible, Jesus is praying for you? That's pretty cool news. How many know the Bible, the Holy Spirit's praying for you? Pretty cool news. And so we want to be partner with the intercession of heaven over the things of earth. I like how Carla had this, uh, just this vision or um, Put the uh, next slide up there. Heaven's reality, prayer, earth's reality. The prayer is actually the in-between what's going on in heaven and what's going on on earth, right? And he says, pray this way on earth as it is in heaven. So we stand in the gap and we say, Lord, make your world come and invade this world to make it more like you. All right. That really is what, what prayer intercession is. And Nathan last week did such a fantastic job of talking about when we've, when we've contended for something and we know it's not the heart of God. We know it's not heaven's reality. We're asking for earth's reality to become like heaven's reality. And it doesn't happen. What do we do with that disappointment? Right? What do we do with that? And that Nathan talked about that. It was so, so good. And then there was this moment that I'd like, like to step back into where one of our youth workers and elders' wives um, had a vision during worship. And actually, it happened several times where where the Lord was showing her that the, the, the invitation was to raise up your sword. Raise up your sword. And, uh, and she looked around the room in the spirit, and a lot of people's sword was still in their sheath. And the reason was because they had fought battles, and they hadn't been won in, in, in their minds with God. And, and so there was like this kind of like, I don't know if I can believe big again. Anybody ever been there? If you haven't, then you probably haven't contended for much, because <laughs> uh, this is the reality of the war on the earth. And so she just talked about that, and then Nathan invited us into this place, like of coming back to the Lord. And and he had these two quotes at the end <coughs> that I want to want to revisit. This was Nathan's statement. He said, "I want to be part of a people, and I want to be a man that's willing to wrestle." with defiant faith to believe for the miraculous and still contend with the mystery when it doesn't happen. The kind of man who contends for breakthrough in my community, even when I've known disappointment in my community. <clears throat> Bill Johnson has uh, recently lost his wife in a battle for cancer several weeks. And, you know, Bill's a man who has really contended for a cancer-free zone. And uh, after two, three years of battle over, over Benny's life, she succumbed to, to cancer. And I remember <clears throat> listening to his first message back in the church. And, he, and, he, and the first thing he says, you're like, oh, oh, my goodness. You know, Bill drops these. He says, a backslider says in his heart and judges God for what he did not do. And then he talked about healthy mourning and unhealthy mourning. And he said, it's so appropriate. It's a biblical response to, to mourn loss. He said, but true biblical mourning takes you to the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And in that place, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The word blessed means restore joy, happiness. Blessed are those who mourn. So mourning can take you to the comforter, which restores vision for God's purpose on the earth, or mourning can take you to unbelief. Now, in our church, just so some of you are new to our church, but our church has battled for people in our own congregation. We've had victories and we've had losses. We've had people healed and we've had people not healed. And so the question is, in this moment, is like, what does that do to us? Do I mourn correctly and re I'm revigorated by the Holy Spirit to know the heart of God and have a fresh intestinal fortitude and an indignation in my spirit against the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Or do I succumb to the lie, well, maybe it wasn't God's will to heal them? Or an unbiblical response that says, God doesn't hear my prayers. 
And I, I believe even today that the Lord in this journey, because I, I believe last week's message was a setup because of the prophetic word that came through Jody, that it's not something just to like brush off like, yeah, that was a good service. But actually to, to meditate and, and, and allow the revelation of what God's saying in that moment to heal you of past disappointments. And to reinvigorate you with faith to believe that when that next battle comes, I'm not praying in doubt. On earth as it is in heaven, there is no cancer in heaven. Somebody say there's no cancer in heaven. And so this church, I'm just, I believe the Lord is loosing by the power of the Holy Spirit a fresh gift of faith to pray heaven to earth over all kinds of circumstances. How many know our nation needs the church to pray in faith in this moment? Our state needs the nation to pray in faith. Our education system needs the church to pray in faith. We need to come into agreement that we're a house of prayer and we're shifting things on earth because of our prayers. I love what one man said. I can't remember the quote. I showed it three weeks ago. Prayer is rebellion against status quo. <clears throat> and so this week... What I want to say is that to, to enter into this fresh reality of being like, like Nathan said, I want to be part of a people that wrestle with defiant faith to believe for the miraculous and contend with the mystery when it doesn't happen. That I, I don't want to lose that vigor and faith, but I want to step back up to the, the, the plate again and swing like I believe with all my heart. Are you in agreement with that? But to do that, we need help. We need the helper. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about today is praying in the Spirit, praying with our helper. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. It starts out actually referring to the sword. You can turn there. I'm also going to be in 1 Corinthians 14 and Luke 11. <clears throat> so if you have your Bible, you can turn right now to Ephesians this is the passage about our battle is not against flesh and blood. And he says, put on the armor of God. And he finishes with, take up the helmet of salvation, verse, verse 17. And the sword, somebody say sword, of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition, for all the saints, and pray on my behalf, and utter that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So we're to pray all times in the spirit. Now, some of us come from the charismatic background. Some of us do not. In charismatic Pentecostal background, sometimes the leader says pray in the spirit, and, and they're talking about praying in tongues. And I, we're actually going to get there. I don't believe praying in the Spirit just means praying in tongues, or, or you can pray in the Spirit without having the gift of tongues. We're going to talk about this gift that's caused so much controversy in the church and, and come to a place of health in our own church community and know what we believe. Somebody say, I want to know what you believe, Pastor Dennis. I'm glad you do. I'm going to let you know. In Jude uh, chapter 1, verse 20, actually the only, only one chapter of 20, look at this scripture, but you, beloved, building yourselves up, in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. I would say this is uh, your prayer closet exercise because he's talking about building yourself up. So the emphasis is like getting in the spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to build your spirit up, keeping yourself close to the love of the Father. How many of you know the word says, abide in my love. Jesus says, abide in, make your home in my love. So praying the spirit is part of that exchange with God. I'm aligning my heart with God that I start thinking his thoughts. He has unconditional love towards you. Unconditional love towards me. He does not treat me or think about me according to my behavior, but he treats and thinks to, about me according to Jesus' behavior. I have his righteousness. He has this faithful, constant love for me. And so I get in this place where I like, I root out all the lies that tell me differently by praying in the spirit, building myself up in his word and getting close to the love of the father. 
Uh, my grandsons just won a football game yesterday. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's my boys. And uh, they, they get to pray for state championship next weekend. <clears throat> and uh, we had, we, I, I get to take them out for breakfast. They'll never deny me food or deny themselves food for me. Actually, it's much more than that for us. But taking them out and we're, we're sitting there talking and I'm talking about this football season. I played sports in high school. I know the challenges and the joys and sometimes the idolatry that happens in sports. And I, I certainly was grabbed by it. So we're talking about how do we keep ourselves strong in the spirit in, in sports or playing football with other teenagers that may not have our value system, right? Coaches that may not have our value system. And how do I stay connected to God's identity over me, whether I pay, have a stinky game or a great game, right? It was a great discussion. And then I began talking to them about asking the question about how do they get strong for football? How many of you need it's helpful if you're strong in football? How, how, how do you get strong, you know? And so we started talking about, well, we eat good food, eggs and bacon, great. And, uh, and they exercise, you know, and they lift weights and coach has them run away more than they want to. <clears throat> But then I said, so how do you get strong in the spirit? Because you're in a spiritual warfare. You're in a battle. When you, when you go on that football team, you're to be his witness, right? How do you not succumb to the pressures of fitting in? How do you not succumb to being performance-oriented in your, in your sense of um, identity? And I said, I said, man, I'll tell you what. You guys, the, the food of the Spirit is your, his word. The food of the Spirit is word. If, if you stay in his word, you're more likely to be strong in the Spirit. If you stay in a place of worship, you're more likely to be strong in the Spirit. How many of you know that this probably is not helpful? To being strong in the Spirit. I should have a lot more amens of what I'm seeing in the room. How many of you know that the distractions that come from our cell phones keep us in the flesh? How many of you know that we should probably sit this down a whole lot more and pick this up a whole lot more? This, this, this sword of the spirit. This is the sword of the spirit right here. Lift up your swords. The sword of the spirit. And so the, the question is how, you know, how do we pray in the spirit? He says, I want you to pray in the, in or in the spirit at all times. So obviously he's not telling us to pray in tongues at all times. Our football players would think we're really weird if we're praying in tongues at all times while we're trying to play football. Agreed? Paul gives us real instructions, specific ways to pray in our language. He says, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Very clear. Here's how I want you to pray for me. Pray this. I'm not asking you to pray in tongues. I'm asking you to pray in the spirit these things. Are you, are you with me, church? Okay. So the real question here, the first question is, the, the contrast is not tongues with, with English. It's in the flesh or in the spirit. I'm going to pray in the spirit or you're going to pray in the spirit or flesh. So Romans actually has that contrast early. Walk in the spirit. Don't walk in the flesh. Right? Are you guys with me? You remember that? He says, if the mindset on the flesh brings death, but the mindset on the spirit brings what? Life and peace. And so the key is learning how to walk in the Spirit, think in the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit. And so what are some examples of praying in the flesh? Um, one of my guilty times of praying in the flesh is when I get frustrated with the weather. I've been driving down the road sometimes and like sometimes like especially when we're going like for camping and it's raining and I'm going, come on, Lord. And, and it's, it's not like a prayer of faith. It's not a prayer of humility. It's a prayer of, prayer of 
Frustration. How many know that's probably a prayer in the flesh? I agree with Nathan. We can be real with God. I like that idea. But hopefully, after being real with God, you surrender to God. Like I know many times I prayed in the flesh in the car, and Brenda will look at me. She's my Holy Spirit. And, and she'll, she'll get this grimace like, please don't do that. And then I'll say, Lord, I trust you. I know you can have, help us have a good time, even if it's raining. So, Lord, and I, and I end up in the Spirit. That makes sense? I hope I do. <clears throat> or, or I can tell you, I can tell you a lot of ways I'm guilty of praying in the flesh is, flesh is when I'm not praying with faith, but I'm praying out of obligation. How many times do we say, I'll pray for you, and then all of a sudden, oh, I haven't prayed for them. You know you can see them the next day. So you quickly lift up a prayer so you can say, I've been praying for you. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever done that? And, and so praying in the flesh, like you're not engaged with the Holy Spirit and walking in expectation of faith. You're not tuning into the heart of God. Uh, I like this story of a, a little boy got in trouble, got sent to his room. After a while, mom says, you can come out now. And uh, <clears throat> the little boy said, I've been thinking, I prayed. And she said, that's really good. Did you ask him to help you be good? And he said, no, I asked him to help you put up with me. Probably prayer in the flesh. How do you get in the spirit? Well, it really, we've already covered it. It really is the pattern of prayer given by Jesus when he says, pray in this way, our Father, who art in heaven. Like, you come to the Father who has unconditional love towards you. He actually says, come boldly. He doesn't say, shrink into my presence. Because if you know Jesus and you have his righteousness, he sees you through the righteousness of Christ. He says, come boldly. Even when you've messed up, man, come boldly. You need me more than ever. Don't shrink in this place. Come boldly. Come confidently. I, my arms are open. So, Father, you're my daddy who art in heaven. Holy is your name. And there's this reverence like you're other than God. You're bigger and better and you're, you're just unfathomable to me. I can't get there with my intellect. This is really a key thing, you guys. A lot of us have a hard time getting the spirit because we think we have to think our way there. You can't think your way to God. He says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are my ways and my thoughts to yours. That's why we need the word of God to help us to think the thoughts of God. And so we come and he's holy. I, I, I have so much I want to share, but I, some of this I just feel like I'm supposed to impart. Um, how do you get in the spirit? One of the ways is through songs that minister to your heart, simple songs. Um, scriptures are one way. Simple songs that touch you, touch your spirit. Um, I sing a song, probably nobody else in this room sings, but it goes like this. Holy, holy is your name. I don't sing this in corporate ever, except when I'm trying to share a little bit of what goes in my secret place. I walk around the prayer room and I say, holy, holy is your name. I'm just lifting up who he is. Holy, holy is Jesus' name. Holy, holy is your name. Holy is Jesus' name. It usually leads me to a different course. I worship you, Lord, in the beauty of holiness, clothed in your righteousness, cleansed by your blood. Broken I come, humbly before you. I love and adore you. You are my Lord. And it helps me. I just, I can feel my heart being drawn to his heart. And I almost invariably sing a song about purify my heart. Purify my heart. Touch me with your cleansing fire. Take me to the cross. Your holiness is my desire. Breathe your life in me. Kindle a love that flows from your throne. 
Oh, purify. The reason I don't sing in public is I can't sing in public, but my heart. Purify my heart. You need to learn how to navigate your own spirit to be in his spirit. It's not doing it Dennis's way. I just gave you an example of how I come in to being led by his spirit. But there are certain scriptures, like Psalm 63, I'll go to many times. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. There should be scriptures. There should be songs. You have to learn how to bring your spirit into that place of agreement with who God is so that you can come to that place where your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, not my will, your will be done. This place of humility before the Lord where you become the prayer warrior that God wants us to be on the earth. We need the Holy Spirit who is our helper. He's introduced to us in, in John chapter 14 as our helper. I want you to look how it works out in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way the helper helps us in our weakness because we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I want, I want to admit again, and we're going to end up talking about it, that many times the charismatic Pentecostal world, which I'm now part of, just to be transparent, says that must mean, that must mean praying in tongues. I think it could, but I don't think it has to. Uh, to give you an example, when I, when I saw the pictures of what happened in Florida and this devastation in Florida, something came in my heart. It was grief, but it wasn't my grief. It was God's grief. There was a groan that came in my heart over the loss that people experienced, lives that were lost, loved ones that were lost. I knew it was not the will of God. It was not the will of God to destroy parts of Florida. The thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so there was, when I saw the, the, there was this groan, like, oh God, oh God, oh God, be there. Show up. It was like something inside of me. It was the heart of God, like grieving over what had happened in the people. And I entered into his grief and started praying for the church to be the answer to people's needs. There's this groan that helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. It was interesting. We were in staff meeting this week and Gabe asked for testimonies of answered prayer. And I've shared this many times. One of my greatest answered prayers when my dad got saved after 17 years of praying for him as a family. God, his life was completely changed. I shared this story and then we began praying for people who we knew now in our family who didn't know the Lord. On staff, we started praying for one another. One of the staff members said, none of my spouse's family knows the Lord. And, uh, and, and in that moment, like, I just, like, entered into the heart of God over her family. Like, I didn't, I didn't quickly jump to prayers that I pray over lost. I leaned into the heart of God. How many of you know that God has emotions? He created you in his image. Do you have any emotions? God has emotions, and, and the way, one of the ways you pray in the Spirit is you pray into the heart of God. Like you lean in, God, how do you feel about this family? Well, we know from the Scripture as well is that none perish. Are you with me? He wishes that all come to repentance. And so I know that, but I don't feel his affections until I allow his affections to start moving me. And as I thought about this family, like his compassion the passion that sent his son to the cross, he carries for the spouse's family. And I could feel his groaning over their lostness. And it was almost like as I was experiencing that, he was testifying to my heart, Dennis, you sometimes get comfortable with people who are lost. You get used to the idea of people you used to pray for with vigor and faith and in the spirit, you now throw up token prayers. And I want to renew your vision of intercession for your loved ones who don't know the Lord. And as he's saying that to me, how many know that God can talk really fast in the spirit? 
as he's saying to me, all of a sudden I feel the affections, I feel the gift of faith, and I pray over this, this spouse's family with faith and in the spirit. And this is what I want to, want to share with you. In this room, the Lord is loosing a fresh, in the spirit, intercession for loved ones that you've got used to them not being saved. He, he's loosened a fresh fire in your hearts for people you've prayed for in the past and you've got comfortable with the idea that they don't know the Lord. Tell me, say, I'll receive that. Praying in the Spirit is a whole lot more than praying in tongues. However, actually, I want to do this quote. Go back, William, to the quote by Corey Russell. I really like this. When the revelation of what you've been made for, for collides with the revelation of where you're at, there's the vortex that pulls the groan out of the depths of your soul. It's not just for you individually, but it's for people and nations and circumstances. Like when you see what's happening on the earth and his soul does not line up with the perfect love of the Father, man, there is a groan. I'm asking the Lord to give you a groan. Do you, do you hear that? Are you hearing that? I'm asking the Lord to induce a groan because it's there in you if you allow him to bring it. Are you okay? So how about the gift of tongues? I, I actually am going to jump into this controversial gift that has caused so much division in the church and actually, I would say not just division, but confusion and sometimes hurt over this gift. And I want to talk about it um, because I do believe the gift of tongues is a help that the Holy Spirit gives for your prayer life. Not everybody, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, has the gift of tongues that love Jesus. I'll talk about that real quick. But here's the first thing I want to say is there's churches and Dreams of churches and well-intentioned churches and amazing pastors who teach that the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy is not for today. That it ceased at the canonization of scripture. The apostle needed signs and wonders to give witness that they were actually teaching the word of God. But once the word of God got finished, we have the confirmation of, what, of teaching, so we no longer need the miracle gifts. That's a whole Group of pastors and teachers teach that. I was discipled in that. My first, one of my first cassette decks. Anybody remember the days of cassette decks? I, Casey's looking at me like, but you do? You remember? Oh, wow. Technology has changed so fast. But one of my very first ones that I was discipled in, I wasn't saved since I was 21, was how praying in tongues was either of the flesh or of the devil. And so... They, they showed it in their minds from scriptures and from their experience or lack of experience. And, uh, and so I, I believed it. Men, men and women who I trusted believed this. Brenda's parents believed this. You know, okay, that makes sense to me. I'm into that game. And uh, <clears throat> until the day I was by a co-worker who went to a different church who carried the nature and character of God. He wasn't perfect, but he was definitely not walking in the flesh, and he had, he definitely wasn't being influenced by demons, he served his body, he was a life team, life group leader, and, and one day we were talking about prayer, and he said, man, I'll tell you what's really helped me is, is when I got my prayer language, I just, my prayer life changed, and whoa, up goes the cross, I don't know about you anymore, um, <clears throat> But something about his nature and character caused me to begin questioning how I was discipled. And, and so I want to tell you what I don't agree with. I don't agree that the gift of tongues is no longer available for believers. I don't agree that the gift of supernatural healing or prophecy or word of wisdom or word of faith or these other 1 Corinthians 12 talk about these gifts are available it does say in that text, and I'm not going to go to it, but please do go back and read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. That's your homework. It does say that do all speak in tongues? And the answer is understood to be no. Do all have the gift of healing? And the answer is to be understood no. Do all have the gift of whatever? Whatever the gifts are. How many of you know the Lord 
distributes his gifts according to his sovereign will, it says in that passage, to edify the body of Christ. And so in that passage, you know those gifts are still for today. And then in my journey, um, you know, I just in the scripture started provoking me like John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, not the super spiritual, just the ones who believe in me, shall do my works and greater works shall they do. And the whole word works there is all lining up with supernatural signs and wonders. So I started getting provoked and, uh, and Brenda and I started seeking the Lord. There's this uh, quote by Oswald Chambers that says, we can remain powerless forever by trying to do God's work without receiving his power. And by following instead the ideas that we draw from our own nature, we actually slander and dishonor God by very eagerness to serve him without really knowing him. And the word there actually means experiencing him. On the other side of the equation, there, I believe there are churches that have, have exaggerated the importance of tongues. Um, classical Pentecostal says this, tongues demonstrate that we are saved. So in some churches, not so much today, but not that long ago, if you didn't pray in tongues, then they have questioned your salvation. Ouch. Ouch. And even currently, and the churches that say, if you're filled with the Spirit, that means you have to speak in tongues. And if churches, and sometimes even we do, we fall into this trap of saying, well, he's a Spirit-filled believer. What do we mean by that? We generally mean he speaks in tongues. Here's what I want to say. You can be Spirit-filled and not speak in tongues. And so you have these two things. And, and people who've come from that culture of, of like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're a second-class citizen in the church. You, you just don't quite measure up. There's this question in their minds all the time. I wonder if I'm even spiritual. I don't speak in tongues. I don't have that gift. I'm obviously not as important to God or the church because I don't have that gift. And that's all deception and manipulation. I'm just telling you what I believe. You, I'm submitting this to you for you to study out in the scriptures, okay? Let's jump to 1 Corinthians 13 real quick. Because the Apostle Paul is trying to correct this church has, who has over-exaggerated tongues. 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so to remove mountains but do not have love, somebody say it out loud. I am nothing. What's the Apostle Paul doing? He's saying spirit-filled church is a church that's filled with agape love. The gifts are important, valuable. I hope you all, Paul says, I hope I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I'll get to that in a minute. But the point he's saying is, this church was the most divided church of all the churches written to, and they were the most gifted church. Most divided church, and the most gifted church, and Paul is trying to tone down the tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. And that's why 1 Corinthians says, bottom line, it's about love. If it's not about love, then you need to question what you're doing and why you're doing it. How many of you know that a gift is a gift? <laughs> you don't earn it. It's something the Lord gives you. And sometimes because you asked. I'll tell you my journey real quick. As I became a pastor at Northgate, it used to be Crossroads. Um, the hunger of the Lord was so strong in our church. We came from an evangelical, non-charismatic background. But the scriptures were provoking us. Um, that we knew that lots of people aren't getting saved the way we see in the book of Acts and other places. Like, we want to see people saved. We want to see people delivered. We want to see lives changed. We want to see marriages healed. We want to see the reconciliation of families. We want to see the kingdom come. And we were in that place, and we were just hungry, and we, te we taught through the book of Acts and other epistles, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And as, as elders and pastors, we fasted and said, Lord, we want more of you, Holy Spirit. Give us the gifts that you want us to have. And we had uh, charismatic church pastors come and lay hands on us as after three days of fasting. And nothing really happened for any of us leadership. But as we taught about it, 
in, the gifts started creeping up in the church. People started receiving more gifts. And in this place, I was just provoked for more of the Lord, hunger for the Lord, which just really quickly took me to a prayer meeting or a, um, a conference in Seattle. At this conference, I've shared it many times. I'm not going to go the whole story. We were, we were first offended. It's important. It's important that you understand you have to deal with your pride. Because if, if you want to look respectable to men above being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're likely not to get all the Holy Spirit he wants to give you. You see, the fear of the Lord is way more important than anything else there is. I want to be respected by God. I, I want his affirmation, not man's affirmation. The reason I sing horribly in church is because <laughs> I don't really care what you think about my singing. And so in that place, we were down there and we first were offended by the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But something was going on in my belly. Brenda said, we need to leave. And I said, no, something's going on this of God. I can't, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something there. And um, the next morning we stayed, next morning we came and, and they carried Heidi Baker to the platform. Back in those days, she couldn't stand and preach in America. She's a missionary, has been used by God. Like, you know, hundreds and thousands of people saved, thousands of churches planted, uh, just, just a pure woman of God, fully full of the Holy Spirit. And she came up, she kneeled on the platform, and she just began singing a cappella. And, and it's like she wasn't on a time schedule, even though we thought we were. She wasn't. And she would pray, bend me, break me if need be. I just want to be a poured out offering to you. I can't remember the whole song, but she sang that over. Bend to me, use me, break me if need be. I just want to be a poured out offering to you. And uh, it was while she was singing that the Holy Spirit like collided with my heart. And his words is, was to me was this. And maybe you're in this place. I'm telling you, because you can, you can repent right out of it. You've been judging my Holy Spirit, my work on the earth. You've come into your own conclusions and you judge people based on experiences that you have not had. And he granted me the gift of repentance. I had the snot nose encounter with the Lord. <clears throat> and Brendan and I got totally, um, I use the word whacked. What that means is the Holy Spirit, God is good. We, got, we came back changed people. Um, uh, Brenda had the gift of tongues already, and I didn't have the gift of tongues. I wasn't in that place where I said, I have to have the gift of tongues. I was actually in that place where I said, Lord, I just am available. I know I need more Holy Spirit in my life. All that you want to give me, give me. That's where I was. Um, during the conference, my good friend Craig brought Randy Clark over to me. Pray for him that he receives his prayer language. So Randy put his hands on my head, Pray that I received my prayer language. Nothing happened. Then Craig leaned down, and you've, maybe you've had this happen in Pentecostal charismatic circles, leaned down and said, mimic my prayer in tongues. And so he prayed the prayer. Now, that had happened before, and I was before I said, no, I'm not mimicking your tongues. If God's going to give me the gift of tongues, he'll give me the gift of tongues. But I was kind of in this place like, whatever, God. He'd already like dealt with my, and I tried to pray his prayer language and it was like, <laughs> fell flat, totally not of God. And that was the end of that. I didn't even think about it. Came home, we were having an encounter weekend as a church. Encounter weekends, we start out with going back to the cross, surrendering and receiving the victory of the cross, being re-introduced um, uh, to the love of the Father, and then we go and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. We're in this counter weekend, coming back from this uh, conference, and I'm walking down the hall, and this lady opens the door, and she says, hey, Pastor Dennis, can you pray for a covering right here in the hallway? We're working to deliver this lady that's been influenced by the demonic, and we need a prayer covering. Could you just stay out here and pray while we, while we go in and deliver her from demonic oppression? I said, Absolutely. She closed the door, and before I even had time to think, like, I don't even know what to pray, which is what it would have been my first thought. 
What came out was, It was almost like this military language. They went to war over this demonic. And just like, and I'm going, I have no clue what I was praying, but his spirit was witnessing through my spirit. He took over my tongue and prayed what that lady needed prayer for. And so uh, one of the things that I want to say is I want this church to handle the gifts in a healthy manner. Like, there's some in this room who's asked for the gift of tongues. You haven't received it yet. And maybe you won't. Guess what? You're just as spiritual as Pastor Dennis. Somebody say amen. Amen. I just want you to be aware. But at the same time, I want you hungry. I don't, I don't want you quenching the Holy Spirit like being uncomfortable with prophetic words. That's what he says in First Thessalonians. Do not despise prophetic utterance. Examine everything carefully. Hold to that which is good. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. So I want an atmosphere where we're not quenching. If you come around somebody that has gift of tongues and they're quietly praying in tongues or somebody's praying over you that all of a sudden they're praying tongues, you don't understand what they're saying. You know, I, I, we're going to talk about like handling it appropriately in our midst, but I don't want you to get all weirded out. How many of you know God's bigger than your understanding? Sometimes we want to understand God and he's bigger than that. And, and so um, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 14. Now I'm going to go pretty fast. Again, you're a disciple of Jesus. So if you want to grow, you won't come to a service and say, well, that was a good message or that wasn't a good message. You'll be provoked to do your own studying. First Corinthians 14. For pursue love, number one. If you want to stay in the right vein, the right lane, make agape the core of everything you're doing. Yet desire earnestly spiritual. Actually, gifts is in our translation, but actually just the word is just spiritual, the unseen realm. Earnestly desire the unseen realm. The realm that cannot be explained in the natural, which includes supernatural Holy Spirit gifts. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Verse 4, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Go back to Jude. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. I'm going to jump forward to verse 12. I'm asking you to go back and read it. Verse 12. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek and abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? Verse 15. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with mine also. All right. And then I'm going to find out the conclusion. Verse 28. I thank God. This, this is Paul. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump. Yeah. Verse 39. Therefore, my brethren, this is his conclusion. There's a whole bunch in there. I want you to go back and read. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Do not forbid to speak in tongues, but let all things be done properly and in an orderly manner. If, you, uh, if you're close to me during worship, you can ask AJ and my wife, okay? Sometimes I'm loud in my praise in tongues, okay? There's something that comes over me where I, like my spirit's being enticed into a place of praying over you all in ways I don't understand. And I, and I sing praises to God in my prayer language. But as soon as the music tones down, I tone down. Because my goal is not to be a distraction in the room. When, when churches 
say pray in the spirit and they put pressure on people to pray in a language they do not know, have not learned, then oftentimes it gets chaotic. And, and this passage says, and the unbeliever comes to the room, says they're, they're crazy people. They're mad. They don't understand. Are, are you with me? Um, and so the Apostle Paul is trying to say, when you gather, the main goal is edification for one another. But he says, do not forbid spirit in, the, the language of the spirit in tongues, but make sure you use it in a respectful manner. I, uh, one of our gals, and there's so much more I'd love to, like to say, but we're going to run out of time. One of our gals um, uh, received the gift of tongues, and when she prays in tongues, prophetic uh, comes out of it. Like the Lord unveils something that he's saying that then in English she will declare and uh, it's an elder's wife. And actually, she's an elder. And uh, it's just like, it's, it's powerful. One time she was praying in her prayer language, and she was in a different gathering. And a gal who spoke in perfect Yupik came up to her and said, I heard you in my language. You, you pray in perfect Yupik. And if you heard this person pray, you would never think it was Yupik. It, it's more like Asian language. Here's the point. The miracle in, in Acts chapter 2 was not just that they were praying in languages they did not know, but everybody heard them in their own language. There was like 17 different dialects and nations. 120 people are all of a sudden overtaken by the Spirit. They were afraid. Now they're bold. They're out in the streets praising God in languages they had not learned. Galileans. And you have all these people. We all hear them in our own language. That's the miracle of hearing as much as it is a miracle of tongues. Are, are you, are you he hearing what I'm trying to say? It's like the side that says it's not for today says it's because it always has to be in a language that other people understand. Well, no. 1 Corinthians 14 shows that it doesn't. I, I, you know, I was interested yesterday, I was on a, a church panel. I wasn't part of the church panel. I was listening to a church panel of, of pastors who have come out of the Reformed theology, and they're in this place of humility, talking about the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, and they're trying to figure it out because the Lord is moving on the church with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And all these reformed evangelicals that did not believe in tongues and healing, Francis Chan's one, John Piper's another, they're in this place of trying to figure it out. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. And they're holding themselves to the scripture but they're going, there's obviously more than what we've experienced. Put your hands out like this. There is obviously more than what you've experienced. Anybody in here want to change history because of your prayers? Just in this place of humility, <clears throat> I just want to recite or, or revisit Luke chapter 11 with you. In Luke chapter 11, this is one of the scriptures that grabbed me. He says, ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be open. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. You being fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. For when your son or daughter comes and asks for bread, you do not give them a snake or a rock. Or when they come for an egg, you not give them a, a serpent, do you? You being evil, compared to my goodness, as a father, know how to give good gifts to your kids. Then he answered, he finishes this with this. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Can we just invite the Lord for more? Can you just say that, Lord, I want more of you? The way to more of him, Tanner already touched on it, is let him have more of you. Like surrender your, your ambitions to his ambitions. Surrender your purpose to his purposes. Surrender your body as a living sacrifice to be filled up and overflowing with the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God and the power of God.
I want to invite you to join me in praying for a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit, not just in our church, but over the church. Actually, I'm praying over the nation that there be a fresh awakening, but how many of you know it's got to begin with us? If we're going to ask it for the nation, it's got to start with us. It's got to start with us. Where's the team head on up here? I, I just invite you, like, why don't you stand? I, I want to invite you as your leader, as your pastor, as your friend, your brother, um, to step out of the I've been there, done that mentality. You step out, step out of that place where you're comfortable with your spirituality. Because how many of you know we're supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory? And if you don't hunger for more, then ask God for forgiveness. Repent of that. Say, Lord, I want to hunger. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be what? Come on. Shall be what? Filled. Filled. So if you're here today and you want to join me in this groaning, can I say that? Yeah. Over the church, um, for the fire of faith to hit our church, for apathy and lethargy to leave, for unbelief to leave, that this church, this group of people, this family would become a house of prayer. Like we want to change things on earth to be like heaven because we pray, because we believe. If, if that's your heart and you want to join me in this, I want you to come to the altar right now. I'd like for the elders and those that Tanner's already talked to just to come up and I just want you to start laying hands and just say, Lord, more. Lord, more. If you're an elder or you're part of the team, minister team, just go by and just agree with everyone. God, more. Go ahead. There's more room that way. We're just going to take a few minutes and just say, Lord, we love you. We love you. And yet we see in the book of Acts, we see in the scriptures, there's more available for us. I want, some of you may say, I want the gift of tongues. That's totally an appropriate prayer. Go ahead, let's go to worship. We're going to stay in this place. Go ahead, just lay hands on people and say, release the Holy Spirit. Release the Holy Spirit. Increase, 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 increase. Apathy has to go. I've been there, done that, has to go. Go ahead, start worshiping. Increase, Lord. Increase in this place, God. Move mightily in our hearts, God. That's where I'll be.